Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, January 11th, 2022. And just earlier this week, I want to say Monday, we got our final trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp Media plus the poster. We're going to talk about that on the, the second half of the show, but uh, Reader's Digest version, Aaron, impressed? Yes? No? Uh, anytime you can see Kang in action is mm-hmm. a, a great thing. And oh, uh, wow. when when we get a sneak peek at the super secret character we're going to talk about later on, it's like, what? what what's going on here? And uh, you pull out the magnifying glass and you get all Zapruder film on it. There we go. There we go. But again, second half of the show on that one, folks. Oh, uh, before we, we do get to the news, I do want to uh, follow up on something we talked about on an earlier mud just yesterday uh golden globes angela bassett took home last night's award for best supporting actress in a motion picture for her performance as queen ramanda in black panther wakanda forever disney and marvel had been kicking the tires about whether or not they really wanted to go for a best supporting actress oscar nomination for angela bassett and it looks like folks this is a go because the, the Golden Globe win is considered the first step toward that goal. By the way, Angela Bassett is the very first actor to win a Golden Globe for a, a Marvel movie. And she made a point of pointing out when she was on stage last night that this is not her first Golden Globe. She won one back in 94 for What's Love Got to Do With It, the Tina Turner biopic, which, by the way, Disney also produced. So mm-hmm. Disney's been through the award season previously with Angela Bassett. They know she's a pro. They know she's going to do everything she needs to over the course of award season. In fact, last night gave an incredibly gracious speech from the stage, first acknowledging Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige and then writer-director Ryan Coogler also made sure to acknowledge and pay tribute to her late co-star Chadwick Boseman. In fact, she said, we loved and we healed and we were surrounded each other every day by the light and the spirit of Chadwick Boseman. And we have joy in knowing that with this historic Black Panther series, it is part of his legacy that it helped lead us to. And also went out of her way to pay tribute to the Marvel fans, uh, acknowledge their ongoing support for the MCU. Uh, And to the Marvel fans, thank you for embracing these characters and showing us so much love. We just made history with this nomination and with this award. This all belongs to you, all of you. So it's, Aaron, you often talk about the the carefully trained celebrities who know exactly what to say in public. Yes. Watch Angela Bassett jump through this flaming hoop of vocabulary gymnastics. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, she did everything she was supposed to. And I mean, they are paid to read lines for a living. So, I mean, if they screw this up, it's like, this is actually your freaking day job. So, read the script. Just today, we found out that uh, Ms. Bassett also has been nominated for Screen Actors Guild Award, again, for Best Supporting Actress for Wakanda Forever. And starting tomorrow on uh, January 12th, is when the voting members of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences 
can sort of thin the herd, determine who they want to nominate for these various roles. And that voting closes on January 17th. And on the morning of Tuesday, January 24th, the actual nominations will be announced. And the smart money right now, given her gracious speech at the Golden Globes, is... Angela Bassett is going to be in the mix for a Best Supporting Oscar nomination. And then, ooh, if you if you thought she was gracious before, wait to see how Angela is going forward beyond that. And while we talk about the Golden Globes, Ki-Hu Kwan, uh, who took home last night's Best Supporting uh, Actor Award for his performance in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, uh, Indiana Jones fans will know him at for uh, his performances short round in Temple of Doom. Right. But he was talking about when this movie came out in March of last year, one of the very first people to reach out to Key was Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige. Quan revealed this in a recent appearance on Josh Horowitz's Happy, Sad, Confused podcast and went on to say that when our movie came out, the first phone call I got was from Kevin Feige, who graciously asked me if I wanted to join the MCU. So he's appearing in season two of Loki, which, as I understand it, is going to debut on Disney Plus mid-2023. So. You just wait when uh, Josh Gad brings Rick Moranis out of retirement for the <sighs> the thing that they're going to do that's all shrunk or whatever. You know mm-hmm. Kevin Feige is going to be like, hey, Rick, how would you like to go out for maybe a salad lunch here? We'll go talk some shop, huh? Come on, Rick. I just want to shake your hand and say hello and welcome back to the club. And, oh, hey, have you ever read this comic book here? That's a wonderful character, don't you think, Rick? Hey, you'd look good in that suit, don't you think, Rick? You know what, Rick? I've got the suit made up right here in your size. Let's try it on. Becky, can we get that suit, please? Becky, this is the moment we were talking about. Becky, the suit. You know how you can go to (laughs) Vegas, and there are places where you can bet on anything? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's going to be up on the, the ticker there, isn't it? I would bet. Good money. You're not wrong there. That it, it, you know, provided that project, which is supposed to begin shooting in London this Josh, year. Josh, Josh is a good friend of yours. So, in, in case he's listening, Josh, you are the shepherd to lead Rick <laughs> to his marble flock. Give him a gentle but firm hand along the way. Shouldn't it be what are the, the I am the what is it the keymaster? What was the the role from Ghostbuster? You know, oh the gatekeeper am, and the keymaster. Yeah, there we go. All right, mm-hmm, so yes, mm-hmm. Josh is the, the the gatekeeper. Okay, so all right. Anyway, more Marvel related news follows, folks. And as always, today's episode of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, for a worry-free travel experience every time. Please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Also, following up on some story we shared uh, just last week about uh, Jeremy Renner, who you'll remember, you know, that horrible accident on yeah. January 1st. Uh, you know, 14,000-pound snowcat rolled on top of the poor guy, leaving with, well, we now have an official diagnosis, blunt chest trauma and orthopedic injuries. And if this happened to me, I couldn't pick up a pen, let alone be on social media. And more to the point, being as gracious as as Jeremy has been. But uh, he just celebrated his 52nd birthday in the ICU. And his sister, by the way, is saying he's making positive progress, but still has a long way to recover. 
But again, guys being incredibly gracious, reaching out through social media. It started out with, thanks for all your kind words. I'm too messed up right now to type. So I guess his sister typed that one up. But I, mm-hmm. I send love to you all. And did you see the picture or the, the video he put up on Instagram? No, I don't. I don't want to see him in bad shape. I want to see him in good shape. I've, I've been avoiding seeing any of that. I mean, good luck, Jeremy. I want him to be healthy and happy and and good, but I don't want to see Humpty Dumpty after he fell right off the wall. Not right after he fell off the wall. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, he his face, he, he's got a black eye. But what was lovely about this is he's sitting in bed and his mom and his sister are, are washing his hair. And he just says to the camera, he's like, first shower in, in a, definitely a week or so. It's gross, but still an amazing spa day here with, with my sis and mama. And then even went so far as to invite basically the entire floor of the hospital into his room, all the medical professionals who've been taking care of him during this time, to take a photo with them while he's in bed and then posted it with this note that, thank you, renowned medical ICU team for beginning this journey. So, but again, that's the, the language there. The crucial phrase is beginning this journey. The poor guy has a long road ahead. But the fact that he has come this far in just 10 days is is really, really encouraging. And toward that end, though, everybody at Marvel Studios is being very, very supportive. There hasn't been a whisper, a hint of possibly recasting uh, Hawkeye in the MCU. Now, mind you, that this wasn't the case back in 2009. Marvel Studios couldn't come to terms with Terrence Howard when it came to what he was willing to accept as pay to come back and uh, play James Rhodey Rhodes in Iron Man 2. So they began looking for another actor to play this part in the Iron Man sequel. And did you see this, this interview that Don Cheadle just did with GQ magazine? No. This is literally how he got the role back in 2009. I was at my kid's laser tag birthday party. Marvel called and said, this is what's happening, and we're giving you the offer. If you don't say yes, we're going to the next person. This is going to happen very fast. Why don't you take an hour and decide if you want to do it? It was a six-picture deal. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't hang up. I'll do it. (laughs) Hour? Who needs an hour? 59 and 58 seconds left, baby. I move quick. Let's do it. Uh, well, Don, you know, Don had questions. because, And also remember, this is 2009, all right? right. At, at this point, we have had Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. And, and Cheadle's like, what are the other additional five films going to be? And Marvel's like, well, it's going to be the Avengers, and, and this is what it is, so you have to say yes or no. And Cheadle's, again, an actor, it's like, well, what's the trajectory of my character going to be? And Marvel says, we don't know any of that. But this is what it is. You've got an hour. (laughs) And so Cheadle at this point goes, look, I'm at my kid's birthday party. And they're like, okay, okay, you got two hours. And so the kids are playing laser tag. And I'm talking with my wife. And we thought about it. We called my agent. We tried to get as much information as we could. And he uh, obviously he says yes. And now, after 12 years of being an MCU supporting actor, Cheadle is finally gearing up to lead his first project as, you know, the center position, so to speak, the Iron Wars movie. And 
what he said about this project is that each successive film, Rhodey uh, has come more and more out of Tony's shadow and become his own person, but we still haven't explored who he is and really dug into that yet. This is what that movie is all about. That's a nice refreshing change because he's very accurate in that statement. He's rather been mm -hmm. a, a peripheral character who hasn't had much depth added mm -hmm. to his character outside of uh, he sustained an injury and has been recovering from it. But at the same time, I mean, when you think about Falcon and, and the Winter Soldier, I mean, he, he had a tiny role in it, but it, it was a significant role. No, it was tiny. It was a glimpse. And didn't he get like nominated for some sort of award for just that 30 second walk on segment? Because it was right in the yes. beginning. Yeah, this is true. Okay, well, anyway, speaking of Armor Wars, that is set to begin filming in Atlanta on April 3rd of this year. And the current schedule suggests this film will take four months to complete and will wrap up in early August. By the way, another project that is shooting in Atlanta, Agatha, Coven of Chaos, actually begin gets back to work right after Martin Luther King Day next week. We talked on the last show about this, Aaron. There have been a lot of uh, rumors swirling around about Agatha, a coven of chaos. That initially we had heard the release of this got pushed from late 2023, then it slid to early 2024, and then some really wild talk began uh, swirling around. And, uh, there was talk that it had been pushed back as far as 2025. Mm -hmm. So uh, got on the phone, sent out some emails, tried to do what I couldn't. I'm getting a lot of different answers here. Some people at Marvel basically told me that the, the new thinking is that the strongest way to handle Agatha Coven of, of Chaos is to have it run after daredevil born again that evidently there are certain story elements certain characters that are going to appear in daredevil and that you know will help set up agatha coven of chaos my problem with this explanation Aaron, is isn't this the exact same thing we just got told about what's going on with echo yeah i mean my feeling is more along the lines of in the way the dominoes fell was agatha was a super hot character and everyone got super excited and went hey, let's do a story based around her. And then they went, yep, and they started writing. And uh, the meanwhile, the MCU is progressing in, in real time, and they're writing uh, Agatha, and they're like, hey, what do you think? And everyone goes, yeah, that's pretty good. And it, they've got a positive vibe about it, but no one's over the moon because Agatha was hot now uh, about a year or two ago, right? Time has moved on, and everyone's kind of cooled a bit. Not so excited because we got other projects to work on. Why isn't this working? And they start to get grumpy about it. Why Why isn't this working? We were all happy and smiley just a few months ago. What's going on here? Tell you what, let's push it back and work on it some more because it's not quite fully baked yet. It is so interesting you say that because the other thing I heard that the, the real problem with the development of this WandaVision spinoff, and, and you're not wrong. I mean, Agatha was the breakout character from, from WandaVision. The word that I heard repeatedly was rushed. Well, my whole thing was it was never part of the overall blueprint of the MCU. It just appeared because it was popular. It was a reaction to being popular. And if that were the case, then we should have a, a new series out right now called Madison and Wongers uh, doing shots across America. She was popular. 
And if you say it out loud, it sounds fun and it sounds entertaining. But once you get about, you know, you've cast it and you've written it and everyone's acted out scenes and you're like, this really isn't all that great, guys. And that's, I think that's what that is. Okay, now let me share what a friend at, at Disney Plus told me. All right. And that their take on Agatha Coven of Chaos is, are you crazy? Did you see the numbers that Hocus Pocus 2 did for us back in October of, of last year? It's like we actually raised our hand and said, we want that. We want to build an entire Halloween's. And I guess it's six episodes. Yeah, but they've already had uh, the werewolf by night and we're going to be promised a, a man thing coming in the future. So... There, I we don't see, really need I, Agatha, do we? We've got a thing that that plugs that hole rather nicely—a one-time event. I I think you you've actually hit upon what's going on here. That evidently there is a project that they have not announced for October of 2023, and evidently Man Thing is taking a little longer to pull together than anybody had assumed. So uh, what's happening here is evidently, according to my source at uh, Disney Plus, is they're trying to decide if Agatha or the man thing thing goes into October of 2024 as their big Halloween thing. Right. So the talk of it getting pushed back to 2025 literally is, well, if man thing beats you in, you know, if Man Thing, you know, is in better shape and is a stronger candidate for Halloween of 2024, we go with that, and Agatha gets pushed to 2025. But otherwise, you it's know, one Jim, of these I, 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 I hate to say this, God, please, mm -hmm. if you work at Disney and Marvel, please turn off this freaking podcast for the next two mm -hmm. minutes. Yep. Okay. Budget-wise, let's say Werewolf by Night was done mm -hmm. dirt cheap because it it really was, wasn't it? Budget-wise, oh, if you compare it to one of the big, big, splashy Marvel movies, they didn't spend $100 million on the damn no, thing, right? they didn't. They didn't. And more to the point, it, you know, every dollar spent on that thing was up on screen. So Absolutely. Okay, okay right. so so okay. we got a super low budget for that. What if, what if, because uh, remember we've uh, the story about the Disney Plus and the $1.5 billion debt hole that that creates because... You're spending all the money to make the content, but you're not getting enough back with subscribers, and they got to fix mm -hmm. that ratio. Mm -hmm. What if they started getting smart? I hate saying this out loud, and started doing. We don't need to do a whole series to get them for a month subscription. We need a one-time special for October to get them to sign up for the month, right? Because when mm -hmm. I buy that ticket, it's for the whole month. So what mm -hmm. if what if Agatha? Coven of Chaos in six or eight episodes, well, that's like almost two months of content when you mm -hmm. spill it out like that. But if I do a, a Man-Thing episode, well, that's a one-time deal, but it still costs the same $15 to let you in the gate for the month, right? Mm -hmm. So if they start getting more strategic and a little bit cheaper, we might not be getting like Daredevil with 18 episodes. They might go, holy shit what were we thinking let's scale that back guys let's make it three episodes that's our goal we're gonna do it like they did sherlock on the bbc with benedict cumberbatch and we're gonna do three freaking episodes that's it that's a season what's a little frightening about what you're saying here is that if you had read the trades earlier this week 
the CFO of Warner Brothers Discovery basically just said what you said. But it was one of these things where he talked about how, okay, last summer we really got trashed in the trades because we wrote off Batgirl and we shut down a lot of shows and there was sort of an Oklahoma land rush when everybody was running into streaming and mm -hmm. people made all of these stupid deals and spent all of this money and said, you know, where we are now, where we're positioned because we made all of those we're in good shape right now. But if you look at what's going on over at Disney or if you look at what's going on over at Peacock, they're doing the exact same thing, you know, that, that or, or Netflix for that matter. Yeah. They had renewed inside jobs for a, a second season and then unrenewed it. You know, it's just sort of like, hey, yeah, you know, I know what we said. We're not making that show. So, yeah, I, I, I hate to say it, Aaron, but you you may be on to something there. I mean, it's all about a calendar, right? And getting a subscriber to renew every 30 days and I don't need eight weeks of content. That screws mm -hmm. up the math. Mm -hmm. You trim that down to where I only give you two episodes in a month and you pay me for that then why am I making the extra six episodes? Why? I can put those. Those extra six episodes cover three freaking months mm -hmm. of, of two episodes here, two episodes here, two episodes here, right? Mm -hmm. And now I've just paid for four months of content by just being super stingy. But you still have to pay as the consumer the same gate price every month to get that same amount of content and and mm -hmm. if they get really really bright and they realize that most star wars fans are also marvel fans they're not going to be putting stuff out day and date with one another where it's like hey obi-wan is coming out the same day as falcon and the winter soldier season two that'd be stupid because most of those people watch both episodes so they got to learn how to stagger their stuff a little bit better and and uh thin it out well, I, again, I, I, I think it'll be interesting for you and I to revisit this topic in a year's time and see yeah. if what you're, you have described here actually pans out. But again, you know, it's one thing to get people to subscribe to a subscription streaming service. It's quite another to convince folks that they have to come back to your theme park. And in the case of uh, Disneyland Paris, they've been in the middle of a, a pretty successful 30th anniversary uh, celebration, which kicked off obviously last year, 2022. But they have decided to push it out till, uh, till May and sort of do an extendo anniversary. And to get people who've been to the 30th celebration are ready to come back, They've just announced a, a series of, of new entertainments, and among them is Avengers Power the Night. That sounds like a Broadway musical. Power the Night? <laughs> Power I mean, the Night. It, I, I see Hawkeye kind of slinking back in his seat watching this in the in the opening of, uh, you know, where some guy painted green will come out, Hulk smash! <laughs> well, I, kind of interesting you bring up Hulk smash, because... If you go, there is a, a trailer that they put together uh, for this presentation, which, by the way, you're, you're not wrong about the musical component. Uh, it has a soundtrack that's based on a lot of the Marvel scores that was recorded at Abbey Road with more than 70 musicians. Oh. And what's interesting about this show is this projection show, uh, which will feature pyro and drones, Aaron, over 500 drones. Oh, are they going to be like kind of making pictures in the sky with lit up drones and all that? 
like a big floating spidey head or something? Well, actually, a, a in the uh, sort of proof of concept video, they show Cap, you know, an animated Cap on the building, throwing his shield, and then suddenly alongside the building, 500 little drones form the Cap shield. Oh, that's wonderful. That's it a, a great cool. way to kind of have the effect kind of pop out. Oh, mm -hmm. well, we got to get video of that. That looks that, no, no, that no, no, absolutely. But seriously, okay. go check out this 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 trailer. By the way, the show debuts uh, at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris on January twenty eighth uh, this month, and then continues through May eighth. And uh, among characters that are featured in the show, uh, we mentioned Captain America. We got Captain Marvel, Scarlet Witch, and the Hulk. And for the first time uh, in Disneyland Paris, Shang-Chi. So downside is you got to buy a plane ticket, folks. You got to go to Paris to see this thing. But on the other hand, if you can't afford to go to Paris, you can at least afford to go to, to Target or Best Buy because uh, beginning of next month, well, uh, first of all, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, as we discussed on the last episode of MUD, uh, debuts on Disney Plus on February 1st. But the physical blu-ray and the 4k comes out six days later on the 7th and includes four cut scenes from the film which i i don't know if that's enough for most folks uh to spring for a blu-ray i mean i'm st i'm still doing it you're still I'm doing still... the physical medias well just for example in the past week or so hbo they have the looney tunes as part of hbo max Mm -hmm. 250 of the classic Looney Tunes that were produced prior to 1950s suddenly fell off the service. Uh, and largely, evidently, that was done because, again, we were talking about the folks at Warner Brothers Discovery and, and still dealing with that, that giant deficit they're trying to recover. And it's like, do we really need to pay for that? We don't want to pay for that. And it went away. So for a lot of animation fans, it was like, that's one of the reasons I have HBO Max because I can do this stuff on demand. I could watch my favorite cartoons and now they're gone. And so for me, this is a great argument for physical media. It's like, okay, HBO Max can do whatever it wants, but I still have them here at home. Well, that, that's because you're leaving yourself to the whims of, of a company. Whereas mm -hmm. like, I mean, when I make a purchase of a movie, I make a digital purchase and now I have that in my digital library and uh, that library travels with me all across the world and I don't have to pack it in a suitcase because it just exists. And uh, I mean, I used to in ye olden day have to get up and stand there and stare at my wall of, you know, thousands of Blu-rays and DVDs and ponder. And now I just keep my butt on the couch and f flick my thumb for 20 minutes and then click it and then it plays. And uh, I don't have to put anything away or alphabetize or organize or and also bonus. My friends can't borrow stuff and lose it and scratch it. Okay, Aaron. I, I have the I have the uneasy feel. You know that graphic of evolution that starts with like the fish coming out of the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just before the the Homo erectus, this the bent over guy. Yep. I'm the bent over guy. All right. You're the more evolved media. You're the media professional. I I'm still, you know. I I will admit this. I purchased the Blu-rays. Have I put a single one of them? Into in, the blue. No, they're still wrapped in their cellophane, aren't they? <laughs> I, I I at least take the I okay. take the plastic off. All okay. right, you yeah. know that I I get that far, 
But you know, right. do I watch them? Do they, no, but I have them. It's a collector's mentality. I, I, I'm not proud. The thing that really helped me make the switch was every time I buy a Blu-ray, because, you know, that was the, the peak format, would be there'd be a digital code. And I could scan that, and it would be in an, in my Apple iTunes library, and and it didn't cost me anything extra. So I was building a digital library without caring about it because I was still buying my physical media. And then there comes a point where Apple was like, "Hey, by the way, if you have anything that's currently 1080 and it becomes 4K in our library, we'll automatically just upgrade it in your library to be 4K, no cost, just upgrade to whatever the most." top of the line format happens to be and i was like no shit. well that means i'm not buying this anymore i'm just mm -hmm. buying the, this one last copy and you mm -hmm. promised to upgrade it forever and so and it, and it's happened like uh planes trains and automobiles i think just released their 4k which yes. had extra mm -hmm. bonus features of like you know like almost 40 minutes of cut scenes where mm -hmm. uh you find out that steve martin's wife thinks that dell is a female and that he's been having an affair this whole time and so when steve martin brings dell back home she realizes that dell's actually a guy and it saves their marriage and that whole subplot is cut out but i never had that before until the 4k came out and apple upgraded my stuff and i got to see all that uh in the upgrade so uh yeah i mean there is a benefit to doing the digital because no one's coming over to swap out your old dvds for new shiny blu-rays for free are they jim no <laughs> <laughs> You, you lost me for a moment there. I was suddenly thinking, now i gotta got to watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles again to, yeah. to see your face at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. It makes that really impactful in a different way. Wow. Okay. Woof. All right. Well, okay. Things you didn't right. expect in your latest episode of Mud, everybody. There we go. But, but of course, the things you did expect was Aaron and I talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, the, the new trailer that, that came out Monday of this week. And we'll get to that in a moment. But, but first, this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We have been sort of keeping up the, the speed on Mud about Wolverine and Deadpool, uh, which I, we learned on our last show, I guess, is the title of, of you know, this upcoming uh, Deadpool 3. And, of course, we've also been following Hugh Jackman, who, while he's been on Broadway and the revival of The Music Man, has spent the past couple of months uh, getting ready to appear in, in this MCU film. And so this is the buffest Harold Hill has ever been in the history of, of the theater. 
But anyway, last performance of this revival of The Music Man uh, happens this coming Sunday, January 15th. And what was kind of interesting is Hughes sat down with Chris Wallace on HBO's Who's Talking with Chris Wallace show and was talking about how, I mean, this is not the first time that Hugh Jackman has gotten ready to play Wolverine. And Wallace was asking him about this, and Q volunteered that over the years people have wondered, did he juice? Did he take steroids? And Jackman's response was, no, I love my job, and I love Wolverine, and I've got to be careful what I say here, but I have been told anecdotally what the side effects of steroids are, and I'm like, I don't love it that much. So no, no, I did. I did this the old school way. And I have to tell you, I've eaten more chicken. I apologize. The vegans and the vegetarians and all the chickens of the world are, you know, literally the karma is not good for me. That if the deity is related to chickens in any way, I'm in trouble. But that's his protein of choice when he's training. I think The Rock is kind of similar where he eats like four chickens a day or something when he's trying to get, you know, bulk up and mass up or whatever. And uh, they do have to eat a massive amount because when you're working out, you also burn a lot of calories, right? So you don't, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. just end up losing weight, but they're actually trying to gain mass. So you have to eat a huge amount of food and then do the workout to make sure that the the bumps go in the right place. Because I eat a huge amount of food and all the bumps go to my my bum. And uh, that's because I don't do the workout part. I'll say that I was about to say, you know, I, I I have been to Popeye's way too many too often, and yeah. I'm just not get not getting the benefit here. And speaking of someone who transformed their body, we got to see the Ant Man of the Wasp Quantum Mania trailer. And by the way, have you also seen the poster? Because the poster is killer. Yes, actually, it is. It is really a, a quite a gorgeous poster, uh, and. Mm. I'm I'm hoping that we get like a Mondo variant of it or something because oh mm-hmm. it's just it's already glorious but man I don't know totally I genuinely feel glad for Peyton Reed the the, the director of this project who remember talked about Ant Man the original Ant Man and Ant Man of the Wasp was kind of the palate cleansers after the Avengers movies and this time around boy again he's right that this one is the Avengers movie and in fact you were talking about half the fun of of this trailer is to finally see Jonathan Majors in action as Kang yeah yeah I think he's just gonna tear up the movie world in general over the next several Mm -hmm. years He's got a movie out right now that that uh, just came, became available for streaming where, called Devotion, where he's a pilot. And uh, mm-hmm. he's got the Creed 3 coming out where he's playing the, the bad guy there. He's obviously mm-hmm. going to be Kang, but this dude is everywhere, and everywhere he goes, he does it well. And so it's just going to be, I can't wait to see what he brings to this character. And the other thing is, because we may have so many different variants of Kang Mm -hmm. throughout the Mm -hmm. course of these many, many movies that lie ahead, Mm -hmm. that he could bring a totally different flavor to each one and have it work. Right? So I, I just can't wait to see what we get. Yeah, and this is the first trailer that sort of laid out the emotional stakes about what what the story is really about. And more to the point, those last couple of moments of this thing where it's, I don't have to win. We we both just have to lose. This kind of seems to be a a different Scott Lang. But do you really think that the the emotional thrust of the story is that Scott 
missed five years of his daughter growing up. And that's what he's going to risk everything all is getting that time back. I mean, that's kind of what they're setting the the engine of the story to be is mm-hmm. that of, of mm-hmm. will Scott do this to get that time back. And if he does, mm-hmm. what a stupid superhero. Well, right? that's yeah, selfish. I mean, we just saw with Spider-Man No Way Home that when superheroes screw up, when they are all too human, that's actually can be a really entertaining, very emotional story. Yeah, but what didn't we learn at the end of that that they have to give up everything to make it work? Have we learned nothing, Jim, from from the sacrifices of Saint Peter? <laughs> well, you know, but 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 that's the other thing that that that's kind of funny. If you remember the the original teaser trailer for this thing, where Scott Lang was was leaving the bakery and just just the whole notion of "Thank you, Spider Man," right. I don't know if Peter Parker has had a conversation about Scott with Scott Lang about this very same issue, but everything about this, or at least the, the way that they're promoting at this point, makes me. It's like I'm there. I'm there. Opening day. I mean, just the whole notion of the catchphrase "Witness the beginning of a new dynasty." There was a little bit in the trailer that uh, looked like. Well, obviously, there's one clear shot where uh, Scott Lang splits into two, and he's looking face to face at himself. And then mm-hmm. there's a shot where there is, you know, obviously there, if there's multiple Scott Langs, they're going to center on our Scott Lang because mm-hmm. these are our uh, eyeballs through the movie, right? The, mm-hmm. the person that we're seeing things through. But during that moment, it seems like there are millions and millions of Scott Langs. And I'm wondering if Kang is bringing all of the many infinite uh, universes Scott Lang's together all at the same time in the same place for a multi-dimensional heist. Because if you look, there's a thing where it um, it looks like you know ants are kind of crawling up towards a, a blob of light, and it's not ants. I, they're all tiny Scots. And when he falls, he's falling amongst through a tunnel of hymns is is what he's falling through. It's a crazy, crazy shot. But uh, one of the things we have this to is pause. Why I, and look I at it. love doing this show with you. I didn't see that. Now I'm going to go back and look at this trailer. Or more to the point, a quick question: You yep. watched it uh, not on a laptop, didn't you? You watched it on like the biggest television you could find. Well, yeah, we examined it under many different uh, spectroscope. Okay. You know, <laughs> so. that's the thing. I keep doing it where it's convenient, so it's on my laptop here. So now I got to go watch it in a big thing. All right. Also. You know, we've been seeing in all of these trailers, we, of course, see, have seen Bill Murray make an appearance. And at least now we know from uh, publicity materials who he is. And that's Lloyd, or excuse me, Lord Krylar, uh, who is the governor of Axiom, a bizarre and cushy community within the quantum realm. So, again, nice to know who he is. But let's face it, over the past 48 hours or so, this is not who people are talking about. In fact, what's been kind of interesting is to watch what's been trending isn't Kang, isn't Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium trailer. It's MODOK, right? Yeah, and that's that's been the where's Waldo of the, of the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you'd want... Uh, Jim, you saw a toy at your local Target on one of your recent browsing adventures, right? We did. We did the, I want to say Nancy and I found it at Box Lunch. We found the little ah. Modoc toy in an Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania box. And it was one of these things where it's like, 
I honestly had no idea up until that point that this character was going to be in this film. But then <laughs> you reached out as we were prepping the show, and it's like, have you seen what they're saying about <laughs> who MODOK is? The very first half-second glimpse of MODOK mm -hmm. was back at the Comic-Con. Mm -hmm. And there was some grumbling about it looked weird, and it's because we've got two different versions of MODOK. So if you're able to jump through the trailer, at mm -hmm. 1 minute and 46 seconds is the masked MODOK, where he's got a frozen grimace on his face, and uh, he's permanently angry, and he's all made of metal. And uh, that's his battle armor, okay? So that's mm -hmm. that. And that's probably the, the toy that you saw, Jim, was mm -hmm. that face. And a lot of people kind of pooed on that and said, I think that looks stupid. Eh, mm -hmm. whatever. Until you see it up on the screen and you see it moving and speaking and blasting lasers out of it, you kind of got to wait till then before mm -hmm. you can call shenanigans on it. Um, mm -hmm. But what I did not expect to be revealed during the trailer was, and this is where mm -hmm. they split it, we get like three total seconds. And so we're mm -hmm. going to talk about two scenes split over a second and a half each at mm -hmm. 56 seconds to 57 and a half seconds. Kang is, is walking out and just over his shoulder, Modoc is right behind him kind of levitating in his little chair, but he doesn't have his mask on. And so Jim, who did it turn out to be is Modoc? It's Corey Stahl who we last saw in the original Ant-Man in 2015 as Darren Cross. In fact, well, when we last saw him, he was in his his yellow jacket outfit and he and an Ant-Man were duking it out in Casey's bedroom. Uh -huh. And when last we saw him, his suit was malfunctioning and sort of crushing in on itself. And he... We thought at the end of Ant-Man, okay, that's the last we're going to see of this guy because he died and his he his body has been taken down into the quantum realm. And that no longer appears to be the case. Well, no, it still seems like he's been crushed down. His body's been crushed down into a wee little <laughs> thing. And uh, <laughs> the head, because he no longer has a helmet, is still mm -hmm. there. Also, reminder that uh, in season one of Loki, kind of towards the end there, Loki was walking through that land of all stuff that was weird. Mm -hmm. And the Yellow Jacket helmet, a giant version of the Yellow Jacket helmet, was laying in a field that Loki oh. was walking by as well. I'm wondering, he's going to wake up. And it's mm -hmm. going to be like uh, part of his suit, the yellow jacket suit. Like he'll look at the label and it, it should say like, you know, dry wash only, but some letters have rubbed <laughs> off and it says MODOK instead. And that's how they're going to get his name. And, uh, oh. you know, something really stupid. Like, you know, like how Max Headroom got his name where, he, you know. There we yeah, go. You know. There we go. Okay. You, you folks in Vegas who, who just put up the, the line about when Rick Moranis does an MCU movie. <laughs> There's you know, a second I, one, I get, Yeah. There we go. Put that up. You know, how does Modoc learn who his name is? What label? Yeah. You know, what got revved up? That's good. That's good. I hope they do that. Um, But quick question. How long do you think he's been down there? The whole time. I mean, if, if, since Ant-Man 1. Hmm. When, when he done got shrunk, he hmm. went down below. And he's been there ever since and uh, probably would have a, a mega chip on his tiny, tiny shoulder. 
this is the one aspect of the the MCU because so much of the sort of sliding around that we do the Cap story set back in the Warriors, or we do the Captain Marvel stuff. Only we do it set in the eighties. That that I I'm one of these people who I want it laid out to me that what happens when and and mm-hmm. so the notion of okay how long has Darren Cross been down in the quantum realm and how much time would he have had because that that's oh, the keep in mind we also have that five year gap along with the, the snapping that there we are go. also in the future as well a little bit mm-hmm. so uh, yeah wh- wherever we are plus five I think is how the Marvel universe works at the moment unless we've had another time jump or two that I've don't know about well I, I bring this topic up because to close out this week's show just want to put this on everybody's radar it's not going to hit store shelves till september 5th of this year but there is a definitive filmmaker endorsed timeline book the marvel cinematic universe an official timeline coming from a dk it's supposed to be 320 pages long and you know if you're if you're an obsessive like i am and you want to figure out when darren cross went you know got shrunk down and how long he's been down in the quantum realm and how long has he had to fester and get mad at scott lang you know this is like a star trek joke that was waiting to happen like in episode 36 when when he battled the gorn on the planet clearly he did not have the proper weapon to battle the gorn in that scenario and I would just like clarification on that because the star date did not line up with what the stars were in the sky that day. Good sir. Yes. 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 <laughs> I know. I know. You know. But, but again, this this is the side of the street I work. You know, especially when I'm prepping stuff for the show, it would be lovely to crack open a book. And, okay. So Darren Cross has been down there 5.6 years. And yes, he's really annoyed with Scott. But anyway, again, keep an eye out for that. And at this point, I guess you can pre-order it for 50 bucks. So I think after we wrap up here this evening, I'll, I'll go over and do that. But speaking of wrapping up, I've actually had a number of folks reach out about 32nd Street. Uh, how is that going so far? It's going great. We have uh, one listener named Danny. Hi, Danny. By the way, Danny listens to the show as well now. We had a chat. Oh, good. And so, okay. uh, yeah. So uh, everyone say hi, Danny. Hi, Danny. There you so. go. And uh, welcome mm-hmm. to the show, Danny. Uh, he mm-hmm. was our first subscriber, and uh, he, he's heard the first show, and we're getting ready for show number two. It's the reason why it's so limited. It's behind a paywall. So uh, a lot of people are, are, you know, a little hesitant right off the mm-hmm. bat when you're starting with show number one. Do I want to throw five oh. bucks at a thing that just started? And it's like, that's okay. Don't worry. We have, we've already recorded our first six shows. We've already got your first month and a half of content absolutely guaranteed. So don't worry about that. <laughs> well, cool, cool. Can you, can you talk about what show number one is about? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, show number one is very, it's the introductory show, and we want people mm-hmm. to understand some very basic concepts because we talk mm-hmm. about advertising and tricks to uh, manipulate people into doing things. And so one thing that we understand in episode number one is that advertising is a reflection of our culture. Uh, back in the olden days uh, on the I Love Lucy show, we didn't have a whole lot of black representation in our advertising, but now we do, and we're thankful for that. That's growth. That's mm-hmm. society saying... They're here. They're a part of us as a society. They need representation. And uh, we've now seen the same thing happening with the LGBTQ community also being shown in in advertising. And uh, that's because they're a part of our society. And they also need to wash their clothes so they go buy some Tide. 
and that's okay. That's that's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. Okay. Yeah, we so, hope to educate and enlighten and uh, demystify and, uh, yeah, really no sacred cows. And uh, if you think of the old magician or the, the mass magician from a, a decade or so ago that revealed all this, the secrets behind oh, magic. Oh, I love those shows. So something like this where you're, you're, you're kind of popping the hood on advertising. Coming up, we'll, we'll, we'll end up doing uh, the show about uh, subliminal advertising, and I'll show you when you walk by a soda machine how you can find the naked ladies in the ice cubes, because <laughs> that's a real thing. Okay. <laughs> wow. All right. So I guess I have to subscribe for this, too. Okay. Um, well, in addition to that, though, Aaron, uh, you, you are also on social media, Yes. Yeah, still over on Twitter at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. I'm trying to keep that a little bit more casual. Uh, mm-hmm. I did a restaurant review, a new restaurant in town called Karma. Mm-hmm. They they have no menu. You just get what you deserve. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media. And over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. Likewise, we have a couple other podcasts here. Uh, we, of course, have Disney Dish, which I do with Len Testa. Likewise, Fine Tuning that I do with Drew Taylor. Brian Gunn and I finally got a new looking at Lucasfilm out the door. Uh, the, the Super Gulp size, what, over 90 minutes, right? It, you know, Not after it, I got done with it, no. <laughs> oh, good. Thank God. All right. I'm, I'm actually happy to hear that. Uh, and I will be recording a brand new Universal Joint this weekend, which coincidentally will talk about what's going on in Texas and Las Vegas. They... They're getting crazy ambitious over there at Universal. In addition to that, if you could do Aaron and I a favor uh, and uh, head over to Apple Podcasts and not only uh, rate and recommend the show you're listening to right now, uh, Marvelous Disney, but if you could put in a plug for 32nd Street, that would be terrific as well. And, okay, I guess that's going to do it for now, Aaron. So uh, on behalf of Mr. Adams and myself, Thank you for listening, and we will be back soon.